Welcome to the Mystery Junkie Podcast, where each week we are sure to satisfy your craving with some of the most intense and suspenseful mysteries. I am your host, Angela Simone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and let's get into this mystery. It is not at all uncommon for a young person to want to explore the world outside of the one that he or she grew up in. Our parents instill in us things we want to adopt into our own lives and pass on to our children, but no parent is perfect. So there are aspects of life at home that we want to shed as we get older. Phoenix Colden was no different. Hailing from Spanish Lake, Missouri, the young woman grew up in a deeply religious family where her family supported her many interests, which included fencing and music. Phoenix was a versatile musician who was skilled at playing the piano, guitar, and violin. Friends and family describe her as being polite, friendly, intelligent, and well-liked by everyone. She loved God and was deeply religious herself. But having been homeschooled beginning in the sixth grade, the 23-year-old was naive and didn't go out much. This lack of street smarts likely played a role in the events of December 18, 2011. This is the true missing persons case of Phoenix Colden. December 18, 2011, started out as a typical Sunday, but would turn out to be anything but typical. That afternoon after church, Phoenix's mother, Goldia Colden, watched her daughter go outside and get in her car. Phoenix regularly sat in her car to make phone calls, and her mom thought that was odd. She seemed to want more privacy than even her bedroom could provide. But despite finding it odd, she wasn't particularly alarmed by the behavior. Around 2.20 that afternoon, Phoenix's father, Lawrence, saw Phoenix back out of the driveway and assumed she was going to the store or to a friend's house. Little did they know that would be the last time that they would ever see her again. Hours later, Phoenix's 1998 black Chevy Blazer was found abandoned in a dangerous section of East St. Louis. She had left her glasses, her purse, a pair of shoes, and her ID inside the vehicle. Retired police officer Joe D'Elia participated in a documentary about Phoenix's disappearance. He told Fox News that the area where Phoenix's car was found was East St. Louis, which has one of the highest crime rates in the country. Could Phoenix have been a victim of foul play? Absolutely. That was one of the theories we went on, but there's no record of Phoenix or her body ever being recovered. And when you look at the time frame of what happened from when Phoenix left her house, to the time frame where her car was found was pretty short. The Coldens, they were mystified when they learned that their daughter's car was abandoned. There was no reason that they knew of why Phoenix would have been in such an unsavory part of the city. But as they would soon find out, there was a lot that they didn't know about their talented, loving, God-fearing daughter. Although she was God-fearing and grew up in a strict family, it seems that at some point, Phoenix decided to carve out a path of her own However, she did her carving in secret, knowing her family wouldn't approve of some of her actions. After she disappeared, her family discovered that she had never enrolled for the upcoming semester in college and had previously lived with a boyfriend before moving back home. This was something she hid because her parents believed that sex should be saved from marriage. At some point, according to friends, Phoenix even started getting into rap music and experimenting with drugs. There's nothing wrong with listening to rap music, but it wasn't the type of music that Phoenix was known to enjoy, so her friends found it odd. Eventually, it even came to light that Phoenix was using two cell phones at the time of her disappearance, one that was paid for under her family's plan and one that she paid for herself. 
she used the second phone to communicate with the man so that her boyfriend, Michael B., wouldn't find out. Michael B. was the boyfriend she had secretly been living with while she was living in college. The man that Phoenix tried to hide from her boyfriend was also named Michael. When Mike number two's ex-girlfriend spoke with investigators, she revealed that Mike number two could get violent and had even been violent with her. She even had to file a restraining order against him. The ex-girlfriend didn't know if Mike number two had anything to do with Phoenix going missing, but she had her suspicions. When she questioned Mike number two about his involvement, he asked her, why are you worrying about someone who's dead? No one knows if Mike number two was privy to information no one else knew or if he was just assuming Phoenix was dead. A friend of Phoenix, Akira Hogan, told Oxygen during an interview that Phoenix had been arguing with her parents more than usual, that she seemed irritable and down, and that she had grown paranoid in the days and weeks leading up to her disappearance. Phoenix reportedly believed that people were watching her and that something was out to get her. Akira said, we argued about something stupid, she said. I said something about her boyfriend. I don't know if she was trying to scare me or what, but she carried a knife around. She pulled it out and I was like, okay, well, are you going to use it? Who are you cutting? The knife in question was not found in Phoenix's abandoned car. The friends put their disagreement aside, but it wasn't long before Phoenix shocked Akira again by telling her she was planning to pack up her belongings and leave. Phoenix never told her friend where she was going or if she planned on leaving by herself. Akira remarked her mental state like it wasn't Phoenix. That's not my friend. There was even an infamous selfie video um, and if you've been looking it up, you've probably only been able to see bits and pieces of the video because I guess it's been pulled from the internet by the police. Um, I tried to find it online, but I didn't have any success of finding the complete video. Police only released part of the video, but in it, you can hear Phoenix telling the camera that she just wants to start over, but she feels that she can't. She also prays a modified version of the serenity prayer. Phoenix says in the video, Lord, Please help me accept the things that won't change and that I won't change the things that I can't change. Parts of the video were inaudible. So the parents, Lawrence and Goldia, took it to an audio expert to see if they could glean more from the recording. After a little cleaning up, Phoenix could be heard in the video saying, I just want to be happy, man. I can't remember a time when I was happy, you know, genuinely happy. I feel so stupid because I let myself go a little bit. I probably would have been in a better situation if I would have just stuck with how it used to be. The Colden family, along with Phoenix's friends, struggled to accept the possibility Phoenix deliberately left everyone and everything she loves behind, but there is evidence to suggest that may have been the case. There have been several theories made about Phoenix's disappearance, one being that Phoenix was abducted by sex traffickers. Phoenix's car was abandoned in a crime-ridden part of East St. Louis, and I-70 runs through the city. St. Louis and Kansas City are connected by the interstate, and both cities are major hubs for sex trafficking. I-70 is sometimes referred to as the Sex Trafficking Highway of America. In a statement posted by the Missouri Sheriff's Association, Representative Nathan Tate, Claire said, The St. Louis metro region is one of the top 20 areas in the country for human trafficking. Phoenix's car was left in the middle of a traffic lane with the motor still running and she left important personal items inside, including her glasses, purse, and a pair of shoes. It's possible that Phoenix pulled over for someone or was run off the road and kidnapped by human traffickers. It could be difficult for someone who had been trafficked to go so long without contacting a family or a friend, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Another theory is that 
she met with another form of foul play. When Phoenix disappeared, no one ever heard a peep from her again. There has been no activity on any of her bank accounts, social media profiles, or cell phone accounts since she went missing, suggesting the young woman's life ended on that fateful day. There are many aspects of the case that we don't know about because the police haven't released much information, but we do know that she was in contact with Mike number two and he supposedly had a violent past. Phoenix's parents surmised their daughter got involved with a sketchy group of people who knew something but aren't talking. In 2012, police admitted they were concerned for her safety. However, the police also said the only DNA they found in Phoenix's car was her own and there was no other evidence of foul play. There is evidence to suggest Phoenix was involved with multiple different men in the months leading up to her disappearance, though. Moreover, many of the so-called friends Phoenix spent time with in her final days have refused to speak with the family or investigators, leading her longtime friends to conclude they might have never known Phoenix at all. And the third and final theory, and this is the one that they have concluded to because of the situation happening up to her disappearance, is that Phoenix ran away. Phoenix wanted to walk away from her life and start over. We saw that from the video. She made that abundantly clear in that video. We have no idea what Phoenix got herself into or why she was so desperate to start over. If she was carrying a knife and paranoid that someone wanted to do something to her, it's possible she felt it necessary to get as far away from home as possible. That might help explain the phone calls she took in her car and some of her friends' unwillingness to talk to investigators. There have been multiple reported sightings of Phoenix and, sadly, multiple hoaxes. None of the sightings have been confirmed. But listen to this. Private investigator Steve Foster discovered that Phoenix Colden had two birth certificates. One was under the name Colden and the other was under the name Reeves. Reeves is the maiden name of Phoenix's mother, Goldia. Foster could not confirm whether Phoenix ever attempted to assume the name Reeves, but he found no indication that anyone had tried to update, apply, or renew any of Phoenix's government information. Later on, Joe Delia hired another private investigator to look into Phoenix's credit history and driver's license to see if there was any link to Phoenix Reeves. EI found four other Phoenix Reeves in the United States and eliminated three out of the four. However, the fourth Phoenix Reeves was a bit suspect, having no birth date, no social security number, and no relative listed. The only address associated with it was in Anchorage, Alaska. Delia traveled to the Anchorage address and spoke with a woman whose son owned the house. She said her son had lived at the house since 2002 and had never heard of a Phoenix Colden or a Phoenix Reeves. And when Delia spoke with neighbors, none of them remembered ever seeing someone who looked like Phoenix. Delia doesn't believe her daughter left on her own accord. Her theory is that her daughter is being held against her will and has not been allowed to call home. In an interview, her mother told TV1 about Phoenix's car. Her purse and wallet were in there, which the police have. There was a 32-ounce soda cup with soda in it, some candy, lemon slices in a plastic sandwich bag, and a note torn up into big pieces with one or two pieces missing. Is there any significance to that note? Goldie explained. Police showed me the note and asked if it was Phoenix's handwriting. I said no. I showed it to my husband and he said no. But it bothered me. I asked the lead detective if I could have a copy. I poured over that note. Some of her notebooks and some were written in real fast and I took a magnifying glass and I came to the conclusion that it was her handwriting. It looked like when she writes real fast. I poured over that note until I pretty much figured out what it said. I wrote it down and told the police. He said that it was Phoenix and I passing a note back and forth in church earlier that day. 
One, Phoenix didn't sit with me in church. She sat two pews behind me that day. Two, either she wrote that note sitting in the driveway and tore it up before service, or three, after service, I usually go into the parlor for fellowship and she waited in her truck and didn't stay too long. I believe she wrote it waiting for me and tore it into big pieces and put it in the glove box. She would have gotten up and put it in the dumpster that was right there, but I think she knew if something happened to her, we would search her truck. People walk away from their lives all the time, but it's exceedingly rare for someone to willingly go missing for such a long time without being found or at least leave behind a tangible clue. The family of Phoenix Colden leans on prayer to carry them through the long days without her. I pray too that sometime soon they will be able to bring Phoenix home or at least know that she is out there. This has been another episode of Mystery Junkie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out each week on Tuesday for a brand new episode and a brand new mystery. Follow us on Instagram at Mystery Junkie Podcast and on Facebook. If you would like to have a mystery featured, please send us an email at mysteryjunkiepodcast at gmail.com.